0: Business, leadership, high performance, the journey. All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Um, It's a beautiful sunny day here in Fargo as we are recording, and we're going to talk today about happy employees. So our guest today uh, is a work-happy expert, who specializes in empowering and inspiring sports professionals to be the very best version of themselves. So audiences uh, appreciate his simple high energy and humorous approach as he bestows a wisdom behind productivity, whether in the office or at home. Uh, he coaches his clients in the art of living their passion and the importance of talking about mental health in the workplace. So over his 27-year sales career uh, within the NHL, MLS, and such, he has produced over $12 million in tickets, products, and services across North America, and professional sports teams currently hire him to infuse his work-happy game plan into their culture, uh, which facilitates an increase in revenue and a reduction in turnover rates, all while prioritizing mental health. Uh, He's Canadian, so naturally his passions include hockey, poutine, and golf. So my guest today from Walla Walla, Washington, which is probably my favorite uh, city to say ever, Walla Walla, uh, Greg Kettner. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, thanks, Patrick. Thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. So, Greg was, uh, was excited to have you on the show today and really anxious to dive into just talking about happiness at work. Because, man, I can tell you right now, uh, in the coaching and consulting that I do with businesses um, nationally, that is probably the number one item that is the hottest topic within businesses right now around retention, attraction, you know, the C-word culture you hear all the time. But how do we create happy employees, make them feel appreciated, and keep them around and or attract them to the organization as a whole? So let's just talk real quickly on that before we kind of dive back into your journey, your story, but um, talk about uh, the concept of work happy, first of all
1: yeah and i I think you're right on Patrick. I find the same thing too, you know and when when this whole thing started, I thought, you know what I'm going to be locked up in my spare bedroom maybe a month, maybe six weeks, you know, and here we are going on you know pretty close to two years and and just everybody and one of the things I've really found in talking to people is just how lonely people are right we're We're humans we we need that interaction and mm-hmm. and even not seeing somebody smile for for two years, you're like, oh. What does my, you know, what does my best friend look like <laughs> kind of thing? But the whole happiness is just, it's a combination of we're working from home. We're trying to do more with what we have. We're communicating through screens. And it's just, we need to take the time to get our heads right, uh, to get our hearts right, and to keep moving on in this journey because we can't, you know, it, it's either sink or swim, right? Um, and when we do work happy, you know this as well as I uh, but the productivity is increased. Uh, turnover, uh, reduced turnover, you know, people who are engaged with their, their workforce, their, their employees, um, is, that goes away. It, that, it's never going to go away, but it, it lowers the turnover. And then as far as the mental health aspect, um, you know, suicide rates have gone up, relapses, both drug and alcohol, domestic violence. So, You've taken humans and you've given them a whole new game plan. How do we continue to be happy? What's the right mindset? How do we do that so we can continue to move, uh, you know, move forward in Mm -hmm. a happy world?
0: Yeah, I love it. I'm always intrigued, too, by, you know, when I go into work with businesses and such, you know, we always identify core values and their core focus and things like that. And I'm always intrigued by what businesses, what industries really emphasize that piece, you know, just the happy piece. You know, I have some companies that it's one of their core values. You know, we want people that are going to be happy, that want to make customers happy. Um, so I always find it interesting of kind of where that falls uh, within the spectrum of what's really, truly important within a
1: business. Yeah, and, and you know, once once a company gets that, the, the, the work-happy culture, um, it's so easy to do. It's not a hard, I mean, you're not buying new software or a, a ton of training. It's just getting back to the basics. How do we say please? How do we say thankful? How do we let our staff know that we're grateful for them, right? I mean, everybody's had, everybody's been affected, obviously, some at different levels, but it's just how do we continue to connect as human beings? Because all this good stuff happens when we are happy and we're not down on the droll drums or, you know, poor me, I, I can't go on.
0: Yeah, and man, if there's two factors that have really contributed to that, too, outside of COVID, is um, uh, number one, your Gen Zers. You know, your Gen Zers yep. really want to be appreciated. They want to know what their piece in the puzzle is, how how they're contributing, and then obviously just remote workforce. I mean, that's really challenging when you have people all across the country and you're not coming into that office setting um, maybe you know your your coworkers are all around maybe the town that you're in, but you're not prioritizing that time together. You're not seeing each other, having those small conversations and things like that. Also,
1: yeah, you, there's no there's no more water cooler, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. after the
1: weekend we, you know, Monday morning you grab your coffee. Hey, what did you do? What did you you know? Here's what I did. And, but it, it's interesting. You know, humans were pretty resilient, pretty creative, and and you know, I suggest some of my clients. You know, even Even to have a happy hour, you know, if if your employees are in the same town, you know, you can Mm -hmm. drop off a bottle of wine at their doorstep and then everybody gets on Zoom with their pet. This is my pet. This is Andy. We got him from a rescue. You know, he's old and he sleeps all day, you know, stuff like that. So it's, we're still having that connection, but it's, you know, it's through a screen versus face-to-face now.
0: Yeah, and the the countries, the companies that have uh, prioritized that, I think are, are definitely reaping the benefits from it. As far as I know, the direct ones I work with, the ones that have really taken the time to get creative about how do we how do we develop a similar environment, even though we are remote, um, have been pretty successful with it when they've been intentional about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And It's just that attention, and it's you know it's just one more one more thing that we have to realize too, right? I mean, because as free enterprise and companies, it's it's about profit. But if we can put our people before profits, I know it sounds counterintuitive, especially to business owners or sales managers. But if you take the time, you know, to ask your employees how are they doing, how are their kids, that goes a lot farther than berating them with, well, you got to be on the phone and make this many calls today. If, if people are happy, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna drive through a brick wall for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I just had this conversation too this morning about. Uh how many companies, I mean, I personally see also that want to talk about raises and incentives and bonuses and things like that, and it's like, hold on, that's the short game, because then they're wondering, like, why am I losing people? Well, you can't play the short game like that. It's about the long game, and the long game is people-centric. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and the rewards have to be different. I mean, you know, when with all the dot-coms, came out you know you google well you can bring your pet to work or we get you know you get free food and stuff that might not be what is rewarding to me right mm-hmm. and i was just reading um a book by paul epstein uh the power playing offense and how he was saying we need to we need to cater more if we can those rewards uh my wife and i went in um drove four hours to a tiny little town in oregon uh stayed in a tiny house with friends um there was no internet out there and it was so rewarding, Patrick, to not oh, have an influx of emails. I didn't worry about Facebook. Um, you know, we went hiking, sit in the hot tub, we went golfing, all those kinds of things. But to me, that really, you know, recharged me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I came back. I wasn't wasn't that I had a you know a, a a bonus turkey at Christmas time, or yeah. <laughs> you know whatever whatever people do to to reward their employees. Figure out what makes that person tick and, and give him that, give him an extra day off. That's what makes it, you know, work for that employee. Yeah.
0: Did, um, you mentioned that book, did, did, did Paul Epstein come, Paul Epstein combined with Gary Chapman? Did those two write uh, five languages of appreciation in the workplace? Was it those uh, two?
1: I don't think so. I think this is Paul's first book. Okay. But the five love languages is, is a great read as well too, right? Whether it's, you know, the one for work or with your kids or, or with yeah. your spouse yeah great books
0: yeah i I implement that with a lot of the companies I work with and i I really push teams to take um their groups through that to figure out what is everybody's you know love language slash language of appreciation in the workplace. I'm actually doing a huge workshop on this um coming up in the next week here and I'm excited to to really present that concept because it is so foreign to some people about it's the like you said the key is the individualization and knowing your people,
1: yeah. And sometimes it's just a, a pat on the back or, you know, how's it going? Or, you know, it doesn't always have to be about work. It's, mm-hmm. The more we take time and treat people, I guess the golden rule, if you will, as well too, right? How 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 would I want to be treated for yeah. my manager? Let's go out and do that with everybody. And, and the impact is going to, you know, I mean, a happy employee, a happy salesperson sells 37% more than some guys like, oh, yeah, I got a job myself. I saw witches, wow. you know, so it's, it's amazing.
0: Huh. Okay. Well, take us back to the beginning of your journey. So Greg, you're originally, um, unfortunately you're never going to be president. It looks like.
1: <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm kind of a mutt. Uh, I'm Canadian. <laughs> I live in the States and, uh, but I was born in, born in Hong Kong. And I think that's where I kind of got my, um, my attitude of service. My dad uh, was a missionary doctor. So, Both me and my little sister were born there. I lived there until I was six. And then uh, moved back to Canada, uh, where my dad is from, my mom's from the States. It's kind of cool because Hong Kong was under British rule at the time. So I have a a lifetime passport, a British passport. I have a Canadian passport. um, And if I continue to be a good citizen, I will become a dual citizen in five more years. (laughs) Interesting. Living in the States. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just grew up, went to college, like, you know, um, had had a great childhood. Went to college, wasn't sure what I was going to uh, really do when I got out. And uh, I was talking to my brother. He was finishing up his Ph.D. in psychology. He said, well, you should go to a career counselor. And being 20 years old and knowing everything that I was ever going to know about life, I said, I don't need someone to tell me what to do for work. Um <laughs> But he gently encouraged me to go see this guy, James Browning. Um, you know, we went through the Myers-Briggs and all those kind of tests. I said, I, I just I don't know what I want to do. I like people. I like sports. So he came up with the idea. Um, he said, well, if you could do anything for a job, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd be a professional hockey player. And he didn't know much about hockey or professional sports. And he suggested I go try out for a team at 21 years old. And I said, "Well, I don't have any talent. I'm too old, and uh, <laughs> I never get picked up. Um, so he suggested, "Well, why don't you go work for one?" And that's what I did. I started doing sales, and twenty seven years later, I've you know worked for in the NHL uh, MLS soccer, I've, I've sold software, I uh, sold foreign online, but now it, it, I finally was able to find my why and my passion. Combine sales and humor and how to work happy, and, and that's what I do. I work with organizations on how to be better by putting your people before profits.
0: Awesome, yeah. And I know you mentioned one of your hidden talents is stand up comedy,
1: correct? Yeah, yeah. I have the gift for uh, making people laugh, and uh, it was cool. I, I, I got dared uh, one night back when I was living in Vancouver, uh, we were out. And had a couple of adult beverages and we came across this open mic stand up comedy show. And so I went in and my buddy's like, well, you should, you should go up there. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not going to go tell my jokes in front of people. (laughs) I'll tell them to you guys here at the table. Um, but they convinced me. Uh, I went up and I absolutely fell in love with it. And so I started doing that for, oh, probably about two or three years on the side. And then I had the opportunity, well, opportunity or fate, I, I don't know what you call it, but I was at our company. I was working for SAP at the time, and every year they would have their annual sales kickoff. So there's about 4,000 people in Las Vegas. We'd overtake the Bellagio Hotel for meetings and conferences and networking. And every year they would have the award banquet, and the number one salesperson uh, was awarded with a brand new Porsche. Oh, wow. So this event was uh, pretty big. <laughs> you know, and they'd, they'd hire, you know, entertainers to come in. Uh, the year I was there, Lenny Kravitz was the house band. So that's the kind of level that we were playing at. So the conferences were fun. Um, and so this one year in particular, um, the MC, seven minutes into the three-hour program, uh, said something so uh, egregious on stage about, one of the presenters that he got fired seven minutes into the three hour program. So they cut the microphone, the lights <laughs> came on, Lenny Kravitz started playing again. And I was like, wow, this, this sucks. Well, about five minutes after, um, over the PA, uh, they said, Hey, again, we're sorry for what just happened. Uh, the MC has left the building. We fired him. Uh, but we're going to start over again in 15 minutes. And if anyone knows where Greg Kettner is, we need to talk to him. they um, <laughs> are like, oh, boy. And, and that's, <laughs> well, that's, you know, I, I looked to my left. I was at the very back of this ballroom with 4,000 people. and Like, there's an exit door and right out there, out the exit door was the, the uh, craps table. So I'm like, you know, I can just slip out and my life will be fine. I don't have to, you know, because I, I didn't know why they were calling me. I was like, why would they want to talk to me after that just happened? hmm so I decided, well, I might as well you know if I'm getting fired, I might as well get it over with. <laughs> so I went backstage and I said, "Hey, I'm Greg, how can I help?" He said, "Well, you saw what just happened?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, I would hate to be the guy to follow that person." And, and he said, "That's exactly what we needed you to do. We heard you do stand-up comedy. Uh, we needed you to go up and do 15 minutes to get the taste out of everybody's mouth, but more importantly, so we, we know what we're going to do from here going forward. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll say yes. I, don't, I didn't know what I was going to say, but here's an opportunity. And I had been doing stand-up for, oh, probably about a year, playing in small clubs with five, ten people telling fart, fart and poop jokes. <laughs> um, and I said, <laughs> you know, here, here I am in Vegas. I've got 4,000 people. Uh, I'm never going to have a show like this ever again in my life. And uh, so I walked out there. I did 15 minutes, and I just kind of told stories about being in Vegas and whatnot. Um, But being in sales, um, at the end, I had an ask because that year, if you hit your number and beyond, President's Club was a $10,000 cruise for you and a partner through Turkey, Italy, and Greece. And uh, I was nowhere near getting on the boat that year. So I admitted that in front of everybody. I said, you know, but I'm kind of helping out the company right now is there a way I can get on the boat? And I shut up. (laughs) And it seemed like a long time. It was a couple, you know, a couple seconds later, a gentleman from the front row stood up, walked up to the stage, shook my hand. He goes, kid, you're on the boat. I'm like, who are you? He's like, I'm the president of SAP. I'm like, perfect. I'm in. (laughs) So, and this is all, you know, I still had the mic on me, right? So everybody's hearing this. And then it was a standing ovation. And after that, I thought, you know what, I could... I could get used to working for 15 minutes and getting a ten thousand dollar trip. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so <laughs> that that was eight years ago. I'm still trying to get back there. Um, but <laughs> but it, it, I really learned a lesson that day. You do know, say yes even though you don't know what the hell you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 take that opportunity because you never know where it's going to lead. And and after that, I thought, oh, I I can do this for a living. So three months later, I I quit my job and I went and did stand up comedy for five years. Uh, it was a great five years, but it took me five years to figure out that I'd like uh, money more than I like stand-up. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you were doing stand-up but, full-time for five years?
1: Yeah. So I, I wow. was touring across, you know, across Canada and the U.S. But, you know, that led me to opportunities, you know, working with people like Robin Williams and Gilbert Godfrey and Norm MacDonald. Um, and each of those guys are funny and, and kind and nice, but they, they also... All have a sadness side to them. And when I ran into, I was doing a show in in Eugene and I ran into my now wife, Becky. uh, Again, we went to college together. I thought, you know what? I I don't want to do this my whole life and be on the road and be lonely in a hotel room. So when I finally found love, you know, I switched. I went back to sales and then, you know, 18 months ago, I'm like, okay, how do I do sales? How do I do humor together? And that's kind of, how I came up with the work happy game
0: plan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I love what you mentioned going back a couple minutes. Sir. I love what you mentioned about opportunity. You mentioned, you said the word opportunity, you know, be yeah. you were given the opportunity in front of that crowd. And man, if there's anything to be said for that, so many people miss out on seizing the moment. Cause I don't think we get a lot of those in, in our lifetimes, you know, that no, I think we get less than a handful probably of, enormous opportunities of are you going to completely jump out of your comfort zone at a hundred miles an hour and just figure it out (laughs) or are you going to play it safe and play it comfortable?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Like I, I now go back, I, I I did some work for a company last month and the chairman of their board uh, is John Schwartz. The guy who gave me the trip and walked up to the stage, you know, this was 10, 12 years ago. But now I'm still working with people that were there that night mm-hmm. and saw that, and and I I don't know where I mustered the courage to say yeah let's do this because yeah it was it was mind blowing when I walked out on that stage and there's four thousand people it's a standing ovation I didn't know what I was gonna say so I just I looked around the room I said hey I am Greg Kettner and I can't do any worse than that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a great intro. <laughs>
1: And right, you know, and right there I had him, and, and everybody knew, everybody knew that I wasn't funnier than the, the MC that I got let go. But it was like you said, it was taking that opportunity, it was stepping up, figuring out what I was going to do when I walked on that stage, and, mm-hmm. and it worked.
0: Love it, that's awesome. So touch on because I think this, I think this kind of leads into the next piece around, you know, what work happy is exactly, and kind of what you do with organizations, but. Well, I want you to touch on the piece that you uh, brought up a, about some of those comedians that you that you were lucky enough to have the opportunity to be around, like you said, Robin Williams and Gilbert Gottfried and Norm MacDonald. Um, what was it about that other side that you saw in them? Tell us just a little bit about, um, give us kind of an in-depth view of kind of what you saw with some of those people.
1: You know, the, when when we see them on stage... Um, and, and I found this even to be myself, that was that was the happiest that person's ever been, is when they're on stage, you have a great crowd. But, you know, being a stand-up comedian, um, if you're working the club circuit, you're usually doing one show on Thursday night, two on Friday, two on Saturday. So, you know, for the, the four or five hours a week that you work, it's fun when you're on the stage, but it's so lonely getting to the stage. You know, there's not a lot of um, stand-up comedians that are happily married with families and whatnot just that's the nature of, of the business and I remember talking to Norm MacDonald one night he was telling me you know how he got let go from NS&L and and whatnot and I said uh, you know what 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 is some advice and he said you know what if you want to you want to have a good marriage and, and have kids get out get out now he said because at times it can just you know you're always trying to figure out how to make other people happy that you forget how to make yourself happy. And so it was, it was a blessing in disguise that, you know, I, I did run into Becky because yeah, sure. You know, being, being on stage and being in that, for that many people was a serious rush. But now, you know, watching my 17 year old stepdaughter play volleyball or getting a text, I love you. Like that is way more happiness than, mm-hmm. than making somebody laugh at a comedy club.
0: Wow. The line that you just said that hit home there was when you said it's so lonely getting to the stage and man, that could be, that could be an analogy for any part of any person's life that they see fitting because everyone has a different stage, you know, and, you know, I, I think of just the, the business owners and things that I work with, Greg, you know, of. I I hear that very frequently. You know, it's a lonely, it's extremely lonely being at the top and it's even lonelier getting there sometimes as well. So, man, I think that's so applicable to whomever is listening to this, what you define as the stage, because it is, it can be extremely lonely getting to that point and there's a lot of sacrifice along the way.
1: Yeah, and I I think one of the things that has allowed me to work happy during the pandemic is is reaching out and, and connecting with people like you. You know, I've got a small group of, oh, probably four or five guys that I reach out to, right? Because it is lonely being at the top. And when we're building our business, like, you know, the stuff that we go through every day, it's hard to explain, you know, even to our wives what we're doing and how we're going to get there in the roadmap. Mm-hmm. But you and I can get on a call and we're like, oh, yeah, I was there two months ago, or I'm just hitting the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so having having that tight circle you know whether it's five or six people that you can reach out to lean on, um, but yeah, it it, it it can get lonely here in little old Walla Walla. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you can speak to this too, Greg, because I think you know yeah. for me, for me personally, one of the challenges along the way to everything I've done has been the people that kind of leave you along the way. You know, and I don't know yeah. any any other better way to put that but you know I found that that's probably what been one of the most surprising things for me is as you've changed you've uh, gone through that personal metamorphosis you've your your values have shifted I mean all just like earthbreaking shifts yeah. in you as a person as who you are professionally and things you know really really as you chase the dream and what you really really want. It yeah. has never ceased to amaze me, the people that kind of turn their back on you and say, you know, oh, you're, you've changed, you're different, oh, you're not who who we thought you were or who you once were, you know. That's that's probably been one of the most surprising things that I've seen personally.
1: Yeah, and it's weird, right? Because usually when we invest time into ourselves and our families and other people, we change for the better. Mm-hmm. You know, and just because I might not go out to the pub every night and have a beer with you doesn't mean that I'm a worse person for it. You know. Yep. Um, but but I've I felt the same thing as well too. You know, I <clears throat> I had one person reach out to me. Uh, I recently did a TED talk, and they go, "Oh, so I see you're a big TED talker. You probably won't even wouldn't even have time to have a phone call anymore." And my first reaction to that was like. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, you know, just that attitude is like, okay, I've seen someone else have a little tiny bit of success. Um, I'm not there. So I'm going to kind of, you know, clot them and try and bring them back down, mm-hmm. which is completely opposite of what you and I do, is lifting people up. And how do we, you know, take these small victories, build on them, learn, uh, and, and be better humans?
0: Yeah, I think at the deep part of all of that it's it's most people have a very deep uh sense of insecurity. You know, and when yeah. they see somebody else elevating it's tough for them. It's really really tough. Whereas like you said you and mm-hmm. I it's like man, we push and sharpen each other and we want to see others succeed, you know, and you, and you push other people to that and you're excited for it and you can't wait to hear about it yeah. and it's it's a lot different mindset, I'll tell you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not to say that I'm, you know, happy just because I'm the work happy guy 100% of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But every day, you know, whether I feel overwhelmed or whatnot, I, I do my routine in the morning. I meditate, I exercise, I read, and, you know, I, I'm trying to stay off the news, <laughs> which is a big help. But, you know, even I don't, I don't need to get up in the middle of the night and when I go to the bathroom and check my emails. If I can set myself up at the beginning of the day, it's a lot easier to have that mindset, and the, the mindset that you and I have of of helping other people and serving other people is just it's so refreshing like the the money goes out the window, the things go out the window. when we have conversations with our clients or or people just passing by and, and, and sharing the realness of life, it just it's, it's impactful and it's empowering and it's yeah, it's pretty awesome.
0: yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay. So 18 months ago, then you came up with the concept for work happy. So, where, give us, yeah. give us like the rundown of like the mental birth of that. Where did it come from?
1: You know, I, I think I was just brainstorming. You know, how you take out a sheet of paper and you have your life goals and what do I want to do for work? And, and I've always, always loved, you know, since I started doing stand up, being on, on stage and, and sharing my ideas with people, um, and having—it's almost like a conversation, right? Back and forth. Obviously, you don't want the hecklers, um,
0: <laughs> but it was
1: like, what am I going to do? What what really drives me? And, and making other people happy has always been a mantra of mine. I think, like I said, I got that from my parents—you uh, know—who who were missionaries for six years, uh, you know, giving back of themselves um and just coming from a place of okay I, I would like to work with myself i don't want to babysit adults anymore mm-hmm. um i have a gift of being positive of making people laugh um and so i was like and i just I, I think i was talking to a buddy about this i'm like i yeah i just don't know what it is he goes well you work happy right do you want to work happy and i'm like that's it work happy and so it's just the pieces that we can use individually, collectively, or on the team, on how we can set ourselves up for success in a positive frame of mind, because there's just, I mean, people who are happy are 20% more productive. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's, that's one statistic. But if, you know, if we're allowed to go into work and we can talk about our problems, like you and I, you know, have before, like, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with finances. I'm struggling with this program that I'm trying to get together. If we can have more open conversation in the workplace, um, you know it, it's going to benefit everybody. And at the end of the day, it's going to make everybody more money. We're going to make more money. The company's going to make more money, and and you're free to be happy at work and at the house.
0: Yeah, what I, what I love about that process that you took yourself through there, Greg, was number one, it started with a self-awareness piece of yeah. what do I want, what do I enjoy. And a huge amount of clarity of starting to sift through some of those things. Like, what do I want to do? What am I good at? Yeah. You know, I think uh, I think a lot of people are unhappy because they never face those tough questions at the very beginning, yeah. at the onset of it all.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, or at least it used to be until last year. <laughs> um, but I wish I, you know, <laughs> would have jumped, you know, listened to more people like Simon Sinek and, you know, these these other people. What what is your why? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if I would have you know, I, I can go back and say, well if I would have figured this out in my thirties, you know, I would be farther along and have more money in the bank for retirement, better house, all that kind of stuff. But if I had found this in the thirties, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be married uh, to the love of my life. I wouldn't have a stepdaughter who's seventeen and who digs me, you know. Yep. Um so everything happens for a reason, but I'm just glad that I was able to find what makes me happy? I'm able to you know, support my family, uh, play as much golf as I want, and, and that's what makes me happy, man.
0: Yep. Yeah, my, you know, my big why became apparent. It was just about two years ago. I remember um, yeah. a, a good friend of mine had connected me to a gal in Dallas who was looking at talking to someone that had done uh, speaking before. And she wanted to just pick my brain on kind of how I got into it and, you know, how do you structure talks and all those things. And we started out with just chit-chat, you know, our experiences. And I walked her through kind of my whole story of teaching and, you know, everything from leaving teaching to getting fired and starting my own online business and now doing what I'm doing now. And I remember her asking me the exact question. She goes, wow, Patrick, she goes, you've done a lot of different things. She goes, "What's, what's like your big why behind all of it? And I remember as soon as she asked that, I mentally paused thinking, oh, my God, that's a deep question. And within two (laughs) seconds, the answer immediately came to me. And it was so clear. And I told her, I said, you know, as I, I guess as I think about everything that I've done up to this point in my life professionally and just who I am, I said, it's always been about helping other people get more out of themselves. No, whether it was whether it was in a classroom, whether it was on an athletic field, whether it was in a gym. Now it's uh, in somebody's business and themselves personally. You know, it's it's all the same theme, and I think a lot of people fail to to dive deep enough to really figure that out about themselves of what is their big why and what makes them happy. Why do, Why does it make them happy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's awesome. Hey, that that's so cool. clear that are cool that you had such a clear, like it, it, it came to you, mm-hmm. right? It's all it took was just somebody to ask that question. Oh, like, well, yeah. yeah, this is what I've been doing my whole life.
0: Yeah. Which leads to kind of the next piece I was going to ask you about that importance of having an outside coach or influence or mentor or guide of some kind, because I know you've found, you have definitely found a positive benefit in that, correct?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And it, you know, I and I don't think anybody can be a coach without having a coach. You know, there's people out there like, oh, well, I read a couple of books, I took a class, but in, in unless you're investing like you and I do with our coaches, investing in ourselves because we don't know everything. I mean, we might think we're pretty awesome, but <laughs> you know, but when we have a coach, and and I found my coach um, about three or four months ago, and it's just. It's been a world of difference, not just in the income that's coming in and and the people I'm meeting, but just he's helped me get my processes right and and how to do things properly and how to connect with people even even more than I was before. Um, But it's also great to have a coach because it's really hard, you know, if you're sitting on the inside of a jar, it's hard to read the label on the outside. (laughs) Oh, I love that one. Just, (laughs) right? But, you know, I mean, I, I could go ask my wife, uh, you know, well, what do you think about my business? But she's not a business coach. I could ask my brother who's done business before, but he's too close to me. But when we can get somebody that we can connect with and guide us along, it, it's so much so much easier and so much better. And, and I've learned so much from Craig as well, too, that I, I take in the my coaching sessions with, with the people that I, you know, coach around happiness and, and how do we have and maintain this positive attitude.
0: Yeah, and the, the Craig that Greg is referring to is Craig Hurd, who was actually on the podcast um, a while back. So we yeah. we were lucky enough to have him on here also talking about just the importance of coaching and kind of his whole journey. And um, I remember his, his story of walking away from corporate world and working his warehouse job to kind of figure things out, uh, which was extremely, yeah. extremely intriguing. He, he yeah. did. he, he I think his big wife.
1: Whoop, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, no, I, I one of his big whys is when he had his kid, right? Because mm-hmm. he was in the corporate world, he was on the road four or five nights a week. And He's like, you know what? That's not that's not what I want. I want to be here for my kid. And so now he's, you know, made his business where he's home all the time.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. He he took the step that so many people want to take, and they think about all the time, but they don't have the balls to yeah. do it.
1: <laughs> Plain exactly. and simple. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's talk,
0: Let's talk, Greg, about um, as you bring in the work happy um, into a business, what does that look like? Where do, where do you kind of start with companies as far as, uh, you know, assessment or analysis of what they need or kind of what's the program look like?
1: Well, it's, it, it's basically, and it's always evolving, Patrick, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. doing this as well too. But it, it's really, it's more of a consulting role that I've been taking you know, working with a company, finding out who the leaders are, who we need to talk to, what their baseline is for where they're at now and where they want to go. And, and as you know, with consulting, we help people give different ideas that might work in their situations, right? To to, to close that gap. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm working with a a company up in Vancouver right now. They have a couple of uh, events. Their their team is remote. Uh, and they haven't had a big company meeting yet where everybody's on Zoom, and you know it's not looking like everybody can get together, you know, for another six months or so. So I'm I'm working with them on how do we connect? How do we have a virtual water cooler, you know? And then from that, some of the managers are, how do I lead with laughter? How do I use humor appropriately in the workplace? But it's it's just finding companies who want to put their people first. And then, like, you know, I mentioned before, the big piece is how do we talk about mental health in the workplace? And I was, did an event uh, for ALSD, it's Association for Luxury Suite um, People that, you know, swells seats at hockey and football, baseball games. Um, And we had a forum on mental health, and it was amazing. You know, when we started out, I said, this isn't a lecture, this isn't me just going over numbers. Let's have a real honest conversation about our teens and the mental health and everybody in that room has been affected by, you know, by mental health. And I mean, obviously the extremes are, you know, I'm I'm feeling sad today to suicide. Um, But after that um, event, it was, it was a 45 minute session that bled into an hour and 15, but people wanted to talk and just share their stories. I had one person come up to me and said, you know what, I've, I don't know why I'm talking to you, but I've never told anybody other than my therapist and my, my mom, but I, uh, I I attempted to take my life two months ago. And I never wow. would have thought that the people in this room would talk about mental illness, about suicide, in a loving, caring environment. And it, it just blew me away. I was almost in tears talking to this, to this guy. And, you know, it's just, it's opening up, it's having those conversations. And in our society, it's still not, it's not cool or it's not comfortable to talk about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm helping organizations to lead by example, to share their own stories with their staff so that, you know, if Johnny or Susie's comes in and's like, you know what, I'm dealing with anxiety right now, I, I need some extra time, that their manager can go, you know what, absolutely, how can we help to get you to where you need to be? Um, and there again, if we talk to our staff, if we talk to our management and we help each other along, productivity is going to go up, people are going to be happy, um, You know, turnover is going to go down, and the quality of your company and the quality of the people that work for you is going to go up exponentially.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think you brought up the key there too, Greg. It's when your leaders are vulnerable first and foremost, and they start yeah. sharing some of those things. Man, that's when you see it really change and when you see everything get yeah. cracked open.
1: And, and, and in, that con- in that forum, another gentleman put his hand up and said, you know what, I I think one of my, this was a couple of years before, but he said, I, you know, one of my staff had gone through, I think it was his father who had passed by suicide. He was, You know, we'd heard the story. He said, but I didn't know what to say or how to go up to him. I managed him, and I wish I would have, and I'm kicking myself. And I said, well, first of all, you can't kick yourself for, you know, stuff that's happened before if you didn't know what to do. And so I asked him, I said, well, do you, are you still in contact? And he goes, yeah, now and then on LinkedIn. And and they've moved a couple of jobs apart from each other. But I said, you know what, send him, a, send him a LinkedIn message or give him a call and just say, hey, you know what, I was at this conference and this is what I learned. I'm so sorry that I didn't say anything, but I wanted to let you know that I'm always available if you ever need to talk about anything. And he reached out to me later on and he said it was so cathartic because he felt like he had reconnected and now he even has a stronger bond with this person over something, you know, that happened three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and the whole mental health, especially around suicide, I mean, our family's gone through it with my, I stepped out of losing her father. People like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. All you have to do is two words. I'm sorry. Right. I I remember the the morning we found out about two o'clock in the morning. Um, so Becky and I were. Sitting so on the couch for, you know, waiting for Rachel to wake up, Googling mm-hmm. how do you tell a kid this had happened. And <clears throat> luckily my brother answered his phone call in the middle of the night. <laughs> so he talked to us too. But the two people that showed up that day were friends of ours and their kids are friends with, with Rachel as well too. Um, one couple showed up with just flowers. They said, we're sorry, we heard what happened. We're here for you. Um, and then the other, other couple... Uh, well, the wife and the two kids showed up at the door with two tubs of ice cream and cookies. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, "We don't know what to do." We're like, "We don't know either, right?" Yeah. So when you hear stuff like that, it's just it's being present, it's being empathetic. It's like, well, what would I want? And a hug. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm here. Uh, it can go so far for not with it, it, it. That's what it did for our family. But everybody that I run into now, and and I have a conversation. You know, I try and keep tabs. And maybe once a month, it's just a check-in. You know, a text or whatnot. But hey, yep. I'm here for you if you ever need to talk. That kind of thing. And and when companies get this, it's it's going to be so much better for for their culture and at the end of the day, their bottom line.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the people before the profits, wow. like you said. So, what are there any common themes that you see, Greg? I mean, as you're as you're being contacted by these companies to come in and work with them, are there any you know, top two or three really common themes that you're seeing um, as to why they're yeah. reaching out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, productivity, people working from home and they're spending too much time watching Sports Center or taking the dogs for a walk, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, so just the productivity and how do we connect? How do we keep our team, you know, like it is when it was at the office? You know, you have your weekly team staff meeting or whatnot. So there's that. And then the other big thing is, is loneliness which I know you and I deal with being, you know, solopreneurs working for ourselves. Sure, we have our contacts and our families, but it's, you know, it's connecting with people more specifically. And, and one of the things that I've done lately is I picked up my phone a lot more than I have in the last 18 months. You know, get off a Zoom meeting, have a phone call, or, you know, where it's safe, you know, go meet at a coffee shop, have a conversation. Yeah, those, those would be the two biggest things that come okay. up.
0: Yeah, the loneliness. I always, you know, when, when you said that, actually, the visual I got in my mind was driving at night. And the reason I think yeah. of that is because, you know, as I travel and stuff, obviously I'm driving early mornings, I'm driving later nights as I'm coming home, you know, trying to get home rather than yeah. stay somewhere, you know, the night before or the night after or the night of or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think of the other night I was actually driving to a prayer service and it was just myself, my daughter, my wife stayed home. And I, that exact yeah. thought actually went through my mind of like, you know, the journey of doing this is phenomenal, and it's it's a huge self learning experience, but it is extremely lonely at times. You know, the, yeah. the 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 rise the rise to the top and just the the struggle the struggle can be very very real, and it's all about man. For me, you know, for me the thing I always just think about is the big why behind why I'm doing all of it you know what is it that's truly driving yeah. me that keeps me out of that negativity you know i realize the loneliness but there can be a there can be a very positive uh forward momentum of being alone as well and i really try to focus on that rather than the what am i missing out on or what am i not doing now that i feel like i should be doing and such yeah and
1: that's you know and, and i have those thoughts you know um, as well too, but it, it's that daily, you know, why am I doing this? And you know, in working with Craig, he, he was great. Uh, one of our first sessions, he did a visualization with me, and uh, the next thing I know, I'm I'm crying. I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to pay you to make me cry, <laughs> but you know, it went. My vision went from you know, I need to support my family to this is all about my family, right? I've only got two more years with Rachel's, you know, before she goes to college. Um, and these are the years I can, you know, uh, I can schedule my day so I can go watch a volleyball game or, you know, we can go skiing if it, you know, dumps eight inches. We can take the day off and go. And I'm not, I'm not going to have that the rest of my life, but the time that I do have with her being able to work for myself and work from home, that that's the goal, right? Is, is to be happy at work and at home. And, and I found it and I'm, I'm very grateful.
0: Awesome. Love it. Hey, Greg, what's the next big thing with work happy or uh or otherwise for you?
1: The next big thing is just yeah, you know, I I did a TED Talk um, about how uh the power of laughter. And and the dumb it down in a nutshell is, you know, when we laugh, we connect. When we connect, our hearts are opened up and when our hearts are open, then we can make the world a better place. And so my, you know, my mission in, in working with sports teams or any organization for that matter or individuals is how do I help other people see what I found, the all the great benefits of happiness and how can I, everybody that I reach out to make, you know, be a part of their happiness so that we can make the world a better place. Because there's just, there's too much divide, there's too much this, there's too much that. And and I truly believe it comes down to we're not communicating anymore, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have your views, I have my views, I'm right, you're wrong. Well, that's not true, right? We're in a sinful world. We all have our opinions. We all have the ability to speak to each other. Let's have conversations, let's connect with each other, and let's figure this out and, and be on the path together versus divided.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great, a great point there, Greg, too, about views, You know, instead of seeing it as the right view, the wrong view, it's just a view. You know, and we've all created views based on the experiences that we've had in life. And until you really get to know what somebody's experiences are, you never get to understand their views. That is for sure.
1: Yeah. And and you're never going to understand the views until you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and especially with social media, right? If you see somebody, well, this is what they think and why they said it. And you're just like, well, what's wrong with them? Like, that's totally foreign to me. But if you have a conversation with that person, find out their life experiences, how they're raised, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and you still might not agree with their views, but you can at least have a conversation. You can be friends with somebody and not agree with them. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> where did that get lost? That got, lo- that got lost somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're in, it. we're in it. Everybody's in it to win it, and everybody's so selfish, but... The more we listen to each other, the more thoughtful conversations we have. Um, and I'm just sitting here thinking um, back in January, um, my two neighbors, they lived across the street, and I texted them. I said, this is enough. We need to have a drink on the driveway. I go, I've been <laughs> cooped up too long. And so we went over to my buddy Skip's driveway, and we were six feet apart. We had our, our jackets and our Tucson on and our whiskeys. Uh, And we had a 30-minute conversation. It was so great because we hadn't, you know, really chatted for four or five months. Yeah. Um, And that led to driveway drinks. Um, So during the summer, every Thursday at 7, we'd go to another neighbor's driveway. Uh, Everybody, you know, bring whatever they're drinking, whether it's wine or beer or soda or water. And we would have... Some nights we'd have twenty, twenty-five people sitting in a driveway.
0: <laughs> That's and awesome. We got,
1: to, we got to know our whole neighborhood, right? And then somebody picked it up in the paper. They're like, "Oh, this is so cool." But you know, I've lived here for five years, and there's people that I've, you know, gotten to know over one driveway drink. Yeah. And, and now it's it feels more like a community, right? There's people that I don't agree with their politics, or I don't agree with the way they raise their kids, and same with them. But we're friends, and if they need me to come over and help them move something or feed their dog, absolutely, right, even though I don't agree with their politics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's putting people first, and, and you're right, we've lost that.
0: That's cool. I love it. People first. No truer statement. Yep. So, Okay, where can yep. our listeners find and follow you, Greg?
1: Probably the easiest, uh, my website, gregketner.com or on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Okay, and we will link both of those uh, below in the show notes here, so everybody Perfect. make sure you check those out. But Greg, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Um, some great info around man just just connecting and putting people at the forefront um, of an organization yeah. and how how powerful it is. You know, whether it's impact profits, doesn't matter what you're in the game for. It's all about
1: people. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate what you're you're doing, Patrick, as well too. Right, you're you're helping people. Build their businesses and that leads to having kids and the money to do that and, and everything. It's, it's been a, a great friendship and I, I really, really respect what you're doing. So, thank you for having me along in your journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Greg. So, with that everybody, uh, yeah, don't forget to check out uh, Greg's uh, website. Like I said, that'll be, that'll be in the show notes here. Uh, don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. You can search Patrick Metzger Coaching. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning into the episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate the podcast, um, patrick-metzger.com, show notes. Check them out. Uh, share this episode with somebody. Uh, if you know a business, maybe that's looking uh, for Greg's services around just, man, how can we increase productivity? How can we create much more of a people-driven and people-centric culture um, and a happier one at that? Um, share that message with them. So until next time, I want to remind you to own you
1: and the journey.